Hello and welcome to Smart Business Transformation Podcast number three. Smart executives who want to win in today's insanely fast-moving world must become masters in creating the future. This is the podcast for people in large, complex organizations who are leading transformation programs. My name's Ben Ramsden from Mensard, and thank you for sharing the next few minutes of your life with me today. Well, last night, I woke up in the middle of the night thinking about work, which is, uh, yeah, it's not terribly clever. But I wanted to share it with you because um, it relates to business transformation. And I think there's lessons out of that for all of us, uh, for people who work in this sort of space. So let's, uh, let's talk more about that. My current client is an organization that is quite small. They've got about 300-odd staff, um, but they're quite complex as well. They've got four different divisions. They've got about five or six regional offices spread across the state. They haven't experienced much change in their history. They're about 90-odd years old. They're also a monopoly. They don't have core commercial incentives. Uh, you know, They don't have uh, shareholders they have to deliver a rate of return for. But they do have uh, important stakeholders who want to make sure they run efficiently and effectively. They've got union involvement at the board level. They've got government involvement. So they're quite a complex type organisation. Um, and they're keen to improve their productivity and customer experience. And the way they want to do that is by implementing a new ERP system, uh, Enterprise Resource Planning System. Now, they're doing a lot of things right. For example, they've got an executive sponsor who's very active and involved with the project. They've set up a dedicated project team to make sure the project progresses without uh, getting distracted by all the traditional stuff happening in the rest of the organisation. Um, And they've got a very active enablement network within the business, primarily consisting of business unit managers who've been leading the specification and keeping an eye on the progress of the project, and also a number of change champions around the business to really be the uh, the local enthusiasts for what's, what's coming down. They've also employed some change management support to support the people side of change. But I guess the thing that most impresses me about them is they're very self-aware. They know what they're good at and they particularly know what they're not good at, which means they're willing to take advice. Okay, so that's them. The situation yesterday is that I was uh, running a local adoption plan workshop in one of their regional offices. I think there were five of the um, business unit managers in the enablement network involved. And essentially what we were doing was going through the change management theory and then getting into a local adoption plan toolkit to help them roll out the system uh, once it becomes available to um, for use. It was one of those workshops that was neither brilliant nor awful. It was just sort of okay. And I guess the thing that I woke up thinking about last night is there was one particular manager there who really seemed to have more problems than solutions. And I was really not sure that they were they were really on side. I mean, first of all, they were looking for a lot more detail than we were able to give them at the time, which is perfectly understandable. They were also coming and going uh, during the course of the workshop, which, you you know, normally you'd say, well, that's not on. But, I mean, the the practical reality was that they were hosting us in their office. um, So they had to pop out occasionally to get some food organised and get some drink organised and deal with a few other matters. 
Um, they also had to leave before everybody else, although as the meeting was running late, um, then, you know, that's understandable. They got another appointment to go to. But just overall, it, just, it didn't sit with me right that they were a, a good supporter of the program. And, I mean, look, wh- whatever the specifics of, of, of that particular case, it's quite often in programs like this, you just come across people who you just have this slightly uneasy feeling about. And the trouble with slightly uneasy feelings is they can they can degenerate into a negativity. Um, you can get slightly annoyed with them, they can get slightly annoyed with you, and it becomes a sort of ever-decreasing circle and, and, and everything goes wrong. And so I guess I guess where I was at when I woke up last night was, well, what's going on for this person and, and what should we do about it? And I just I just I just couldn't nail it. But I guess a bit like sometimes happens in the uh, stillness of the night, it suddenly came to me uh, what was going on here. And I wanted to share that with you today so that if you're faced with similar things in future, you'll know what to do. The thing that nailed it for me was a model developed by Prashasta Norcross and Di Clemente in their book, Changing for Good. Now, these guys actually uh, studied change that people go through, particularly for people that are alcoholics or abuse drugs or have other really quite significant social problems and the sort of rehabilitation that they go through um, when they're successful. So this is hardly business change territory, but um, I mean, fundamentally, it's human beings and human beings in the work environment, uh, you know, they all we all tick the same sort of way. So I find the principles actually apply very well uh, in business transformation scenarios as well. Anyway, um, they have a six-stage model that people go through. Now, it's not the easiest to understand, but by being slightly more complicated than, than, than the simplest actually means it's quite powerful and quite useful, which is, which is why I quite like it. So let me just spend a couple of minutes describing it for you. Um, if you can imagine six steps, but in a circle, um, the first one, I'll just go through these quickly. The first step is called pre-contemplation. The second step is contemplation, the third is preparation, the fourth is action, and the fifth is maintenance. And then there's a sixth stage called relapse. And from relapse, you can either go back to the start, back to pre-contemplation again, or reverse back to maintenance. But hey, look, let's just, let's just take that slowly. What they're, what they're basically proposing is that in the first stage, known as pre-contemplation, People are basically in a denial stage. They're they're in ignorance. They've got they've got no understanding or acceptance of the of the need for them to change. They don't understand what it's about, and actually they're quite nasty to people that may suggest um, that they actually need to change themselves. Hence, it's called pre-contemplation, which I think is quite a positive euphemism for somebody that's fundamentally stuck. The next stage is called contemplation. These people are usually ambivalent uh, and they can have conflicted emotions about whether to move forward or to backwards or just, just stay where they are. The third stage is preparation. At this stage, people are experimenting with, with small changes and are starting to collect the information to try and understand what a significant change would actually mean to them. The next stage is action, and this is where they're actually taking direct action to to change. The next stage is maintenance. Um, 
this is where they have changed, but they need to maintain it um, and they need to avoid temptation to go back to the old ways. And, you know, ideally people will stay in this maintenance phase forever, you know, in, in a change sort of stage. But the, the reality is that a number of people move to what the sixth stage is called is relapse. Um, people here often have feelings of disappointment or frustration about they were doing so well and now they've moved backwards. Um, some are able to actually catch the relapse early and move back into the maintenance stage or if it just goes horribly wrong then they actually go all the way back to the starting line back to the back to the pre-contemplation stage look i'm not expecting you to understand this model in a lot of detail right here right now although if you do that's absolutely great um the reason i'm sharing it for you is that by understanding that there are these six stages that people go through um I was actually able to unpack and identify this particular manager I had the concerns about was at stage two, whereas most of the other people in the room were in stage three. Um, now, the key thing for me was that they weren't at stage one. You know, they weren't at the stage where they, where they were refusing to move. They'd already moved down the, the, the chain a little bit. Uh, and I needed to actually be employing different techniques with the person at stage two than those that were at stage three. And for the record, uh, people are at stage two at the contemplation stage. And remember, these are the people that are slightly ambivalent. They have conflicted emotions. Is actually to help them understand the pros and the cons of, of where they're at. Um, to confirm their readiness to change and encourage confidence that they are actually moving to a better stage. But particularly, and I think that's important in this stage, is to identify the barriers um, I mean, for this person, uh, they needed a lot more detail than they were getting, and that really was a barrier to change for them. Um, and um, and it may well be that if we're if and when we're able to deal with that particular barrier for them, that they can move forward. And um, I mean, this particular individual is probably one of the most respected person in their field in the entire state. So, you know, they're very highly capable professional, very well respected. Um, and, you know, we're asking them to do something that's completely outside their comfort zone. So I've got no problem with them having this, this stage at all. It's just my role to, uh, to help them and the organisation move forward. Um, so uh, for me, that's, um, you know, that, that's what needs to be done. Look, I've done quite a quick deep dive into all of this here. I'm not expecting you to get all of it just by me talking now. What I can do for you is to put this model uh, on my website um, so you can see it for real. Uh, it's probably a bit easier to look at it rather than uh, just hear about it. And uh, what that does is to show you what the six stages are, talk about some of the characteristics of people in those six stages, but most particularly talk about what it is you need to do for people in each of those stages. And uh, I hope that will work for you. Okay, well, that's it for today. Um, if you want to look at any of this in more detail, then do please go to the Smart Business transformation.com website where you'll find the show notes including um, the, uh, the help sheet I just talked to you about and if you haven't already check out my new book Right is Wrong 8 Essential Steps to Avoid the Pitfalls that Smart People Make When Transforming Their Organisation You can get your copy completely free of charge via my website uh, it's only a very quick read, um, and I've had some very good reviews uh, come in so far. Uh, let me just quote 
Somebody said it's a great little book on transformations. It might be little, but contains lots of good stuff. Well, thank you very much for that. And somebody else described it as inspirational and thought-provoking. Fantastic. Um, You can get that right away, right now, at smartbusinesstransformation.com. Go there now and check it out. Well, that's it for today. Um, I do know there are many, many, many podcasts out there and you're a very busy person. So I do really appreciate you choosing to spend time with me here today. Thank you. I really do appreciate it. Anyway, until next time, do sleep well. Well.